the words God given me is carrying on about rhythm. And he's also given me a, a word about being fruitful in all stages of life. So I feel as though I need to go with it. I might, I might discard some of it and, I don't know, elaborate other bits of it and see what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells me to shut up. Or you do. Um, <laughs> see how it goes. Is that okay? Um, yes, please. I better get my Bible as well. I think I've some notes. And <clears throat> yeah. Because God is doing something very special and he's reminding us of some important truths. Pete, by the way, are you, um, excuse me, just, just, I'm just having a conversation with Pete. Um, have you, you're going on holiday on Tuesday, aren't you? How long are you going for? So you're back, you, you're not here this Sunday, coming Sunday, but you are here the following Sunday, which I think is the 4th of August. Right, Okay. Sorry, just it's just that that word that you brought there's something more to come so you're preaching a week on two weeks today is that okay so um, um, <laughs> is that okay <laughs> um, oh holy spirit you've just kind of oh, yeah, messing me up yeah okay so let's see <laughs> What I was going to do is say, um, I'm actually going to preach today um, the same message I preached last week. So if you weren't here, hey, and if you were, you think, mm. um, actually what I want to do is just recap some things and re-emphasize certain things and, and, and revisit a couple of things and a couple of things I left out. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I, I basically started by saying there was two things, two main things that God has taught me over the last 10 years or so. Um, and I focused on one of them last, I focused on rhythm. I'll say a little bit about that. Just in case anybody was wondering what the other one was, I'm not ready to teach on it yet, but is, um, is, the other one was habit. This one's about rhythm, and one, the other one was habit. Because I think I've learned, it's taken me a long time, and I am a slow learner, I do, I do apologize, but I... It's going to be a long time to learn this. I mean, I should have learned it because Aristotle said it hundreds of years ago. He said, we are what we habitually do. And um, I've learned slowly that transformation and progress in the Christian life is not about just trying harder. It's about training better. And there's certain habits that we need to get into if we're going to see some transformation. I just don't feel I'm well enough along on that route to be able to do much teaching on it. I have, either I've got to wait or I'll get somebody else to come and teach on it. I'm just learning some stuff there. Um, but I do feel as I've got something to say about rhythm. And what we did, we looked at in Nehemiah chapter 8, we were looking at when the word of God came, at one, one point they were fasting, sorry, they were feasting, and said, the joy of the Lord is your strength, feast, don't be sad, have a party. And then the next moment, at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 9, they're fasting. And we said, well, which is it? Is it feasting or is it fasting when the word of God comes? And it says, well, do you remember, I reminded people of the words when Jesus was criticized for all his feasting, he says, a time will come. And we looked and remembered the principle of everything is beautiful in its time. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. Everything, timing is everything. And I said, turn to the person next to you and say, timing is everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. A bit more enthusiasm, but anyway. 
So I thought, just in case you didn't believe me, uh, we would read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We started in Amos. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 just to remind you of this. It's, it, timing is so important. There's a time for everything under the sun. Oh, well, let me read it to you. Cha- Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. Let's hoping I'm getting that timing right here now. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I wonder if what we experience as burden could become beautiful when we learn about timing and rhythm. You know, when we don't, we do, when we when we fight against the timing, there's a time to mourn, and if we fight that, maybe life becomes. That's when it becomes a burden. But understanding that God has made everything beautiful in its time, and there's a time for everything, is is, is uh, what's going to help us. So anyway, I looked at this whole principle of rhythm. It's it's something I've taught on before. I mean, I'm reminding you of what I said last week, and last week I was reminding you of what I've said repeatedly over the years that basically. Since Adam took the first bite of the apple from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, one of the the major problems of the human race is what we call either-or thinking. Because Adam decides what's good and what's evil. And basically, I'm good and they're evil. That's what it came down to. And or, or, Or my tribe is good and they're evil. And we start judging people and we have binary thinking. Good versus bad. This is good, that's bad. And... A lot of the time, truth is not either or, it's both and. It's holding two things together. It's both and, and it's all about the rhythm. So I used to think for years it's about trying to get a balance between the two, but it's not. It's about getting a right rhythm. So for example, I don't know, some people say, I like it, I like the word, I mean, we mentioned this last week, I like the worship when it's all quiet and reflective and peaceful. No, no, I like it when we're having a great time of partying and shouting and dancing. Oh, it's, you know, I would get to either or thinking, no, it's both and. Say, what I want, uh, when, he's being, when he's quiet and goes down in his love, I want to be quiet. And when he's saying, it's party time, folks, I want to party. It's about the rhythm. What you emphasize different things at different times according to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So what we need to do is we need to learn to listen to the music and dance to the rhythm. Otherwise, instead of dancing, we're playing tug of war. I want it quiet. No, I want it loud. I want it quiet. I want it. And you can do all kinds of things. It's all about just letting, relaxing and resting and being free. No, no, we've got to be disciplined and structured. You know what? It's everything beautiful in its time. So that was the point that I was making last week. Do everybody remember that? Those of you here. Okay, good. 
I got, by the way, when I normally talk about rhythm, I've in the past talked about dancing. Because dancing is more than just kind of swaying from side to side. It's a little more, more beautiful than that. But, um, and I, um, one time, you remember, I got Jim up to come up and dance with me to kind of <laughs> illustrate this. Um, and I promised to him I would never do that again. So, so who shall I pick on instead? No, no. Um, however, I am going to embarrass him slightly in a different way this morning. Because he told me a story the next day, I think it was, or about... Um, because what can happen as well is when we... When we feel ourselves going one way, if we don't understand, or we understand rhythm and say, oh, we've got to emphasize this again. If we're not careful, we can pull back too far. If, or, or let me put it this way. I'm not explaining myself clearly. We're going one way here, and we're going towards freedom, and I can do whatever I like. Nobody can tell me. And you know, there's a certain truth in that. But if you were here on Wednesday, Mark was telling us sometimes we need to know when to follow. Okay? You know, and submission isn't a dirty word. Sometimes it's right. But we, so we can see, oh, all this freedom, freedom, and all this, I do what I like. Emphasis is going to lead us into a ditch if we're not careful. And then what we try to do, though, is then to pull back quickly and go the other way. So there's more authority and structure and tell people what to do. Well, that's equally wrong. Anyway, I say that because Jim was talking to me about the time he went on a barge trip. And he says, what happened with the barge trip is, is you, you see yourself going one way, and so you have to What's it called? The, the, the tiller or the... Yeah, the tiller. Thanks. <laughs> James Why do I talk about stuff I know nothing about when there's people in the room who know all about it? <laughs> James is a, he knows all about this. But you pull the, the tiller. If you go too sharply to correct yourself, you end up getting imbalanced the other way. Is that right? And Jim was telling me about the time when he nearly... He didn't do it. He, was, he got out of it. But he nearly... Because if, if you do it wrong, you get the barge stuck right across the canal. Because there's, there's a limited place you can go to. Sorry, Jim, but you did tell me it, and, you know, once you've told me, it's fair game for a sermon, I'm afraid. It's, but uh, not, not on all things, not on all, nobody will tell me anything now. But there's a danger with rhythm of overcompensating, is what I'm saying. And so we have to be careful that we get, we listen to the music and get the right rhythm. Beware of binaries. Now, um, the reason I'm saying this, folks, by the way, it's because as we move forward and we shift and we adjust and we make changes, if you don't understand rhythm, it'll be a problem to you. So if you think, for example, hey, I thought we were all into freedom and everybody does what they want. We never were, by the way. You know, this love, free and powerful. It was, it was never that, really. But we misunderstood it at times. And that we'd say, actually, no, there is authority in this leader. The stuff that Mark was talking about, it'll be a problem to you if you don't grasp this point of rhythm. Nobody, it's not like... We're not playing tug of, we end up playing tug of war instead of dancing together. Okay, now I just want to revisit a couple of things that I mentioned last week, and then there's a two new ones which are very relevant to what God's spoken already today. The revisiting, I said, two ways in which it applies to us. I, I believe in, this, in this, uh, at this point in our journey, we have had an emphasis on, again, the individual. I do what I feel to do. And, you know, having our own personal, individual relationship with God, our own faith, hearing him for ourselves, knowing our own calling, that's massively important. But we're also better together. God's building us into a community. He is, God is all about community. He is a community, and he is, as Mark was saying, we are an expression of that divine community. And so we have to know, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's about my own individual faith and calling this on, but it's also working 
together. And you have to bear in mind, by the way, we're in a spirit of an age, in the spirit of the age which emphasizes the individual. Not only that, but we are, you might not realize it or not, we come from a religious culture which emphasizes individual. We're Protestants. We're evangelical Protestants. I don't know if you know, know all this, it doesn't really matter. And we're charismatic evangelical Protestants. And all of those three traditions really emphasize the importance of the individual. And so we can end up thinking, oh no, we're being just our own individual. Here I stand, I can do no other. When actually we're just being affected by the spirit of the age. And so when the emphasis, the, sh- the rhythm shifts and the emphasis becomes on, no folks, there's things we've got to do together. And last week I mentioned I wanted to do revisit it because I didn't convince you all. <laughs> but also I think just think it's important and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just revisit it again and again is that when we got, and we actually we touched on it today, actually, it was beautiful today, because it was a real togetherness in our praising. I even, you might not realize this, but I even said, can we not put as many seats out? So people have to come forward. You may have noticed that. Huh? So we're closer together, at least physically. When we pray on Wednesday night, you'll get that notice in a minute, when we pray on Wednesday night, we're going to meet in the foyer. Because sometimes we come in here and we're not a little bit spread out. There's something just physically about being closer together. The Bible says that the the city of God, we are people closely compacted together. In Ezra chapter 3, it was when they were all together and of one accord that God moved and they established the foundations. And I just want to very quickly look at the beginning of a psalm with you because I want to relate this to praise and worship. Praising and worshiping together. Again, we could say, well, I'm just giving my own individual expression. And the word authentic is a big word right now at the moment. It's not authentic. If I say, if, for example, Marcus says, or Ruth says, let us all stand up together. And you say, well, I don't feel like standing. I want to sit down. I'm being more authentic if I just do what I want to do. Well, maybe. Or maybe you're missing out on something that can happen when we, we, we deliberately choose to follow and we do something together. And it's not about what I like or my mood or my preference or what I am. I'm choosing quality choice. Nobody's forcing me. I mean, I thought Ruth was very polite about it. Or I think it was you, Ruth, wasn't it? It says, if you're able to, I invite you to stand. That was really polite and nice. But, but you know, you choose to, it's unforced rhythms of grace. It's your choice. But when we choose to do something together, something's released. Again, Acts 2. There's a principle they're all together in one place in the Holy Spirit. Anyway, Psalm 34. Before I share that, <laughs> there's that principle I mentioned. I also mentioned this principle where, again, we are, again, it's not even about correcting a balance. It's just about identifying a rhythm. There's been a big emphasis over, over the last few years, and rightly so, on empathy, on being able to, you know, be honest about our brokenness. And we stand with one another. We weep with those who weep. And that's absolutely right. You see, when you're talking about rhythm, both things are true. It's just about understanding when is the time for what emphasis. Timing is everything. I do believe, I find myself increasingly sensing in the spirit that without neglecting that truth, we also need to emphasize personal responsibility. That we take, you know, I, 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 I can sit with somebody in their pain, but also they have to take personal responsibility. I, I tell you what, Mark's, this was worth coming for just for this. I, God has spoken to me years ago about the man on the mat. Been on the mat for 38 years. 
And they took, they took him down to the pool now and again to get her, bless me up. And then they took him back to the, to the mat. And he'd been there for 38 years. I loved what Mark said. I, I, God spoke to me that many times. In fact, I remember, anybody remember the heavenly man, Brother Yun? I mean, this is, what, 15 years ago, which is frightening. He had a word for me. And it was about that man on the mat. And I was 38 at the time. I wish I'd listened better. But anyway. But the truth that he brought out of it, pick up your mat. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He says, then your mat, your history is not holding you, but you are holding your history. Brilliant. That was, I mean, listen to it all. Anyway, it was all good, but it was worth coming just for that. Absolutely. And that's, we have to take responsibility. There are times when we have to stand up. We're not denying our history. We're holding our history instead of just lying down on it and letting it hold us. So bear that in mind. Those are two things I brought last week about praising God together. And also, yes, there's empathy, but there's also responsibility. And then I was reading this psalm just this morning, or just last night. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. There's the individual deciding to praise God. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So, you know, you're afflicted, you're down. You're hopeless, whatever it is, all of that, but I'm saying to you, let us rejoice. And then the next line is, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Together. And so, hey, do you know what? And I, I don't, listen, we're ending in a ditch or an in, a bad rhythm. If it's all, come on, everybody, praise God. doesn't matter how you feel. Praise God, everybody. Hallelujah. And you could just be really broken and traumatized. And somebody comes up and says, oh, just say hallelujah. It'll all be fine. We know that that's that's an imbalance. We know that's a ditch we don't want to end up in. We know that. Okay? But we also realize there is something glorious when we make a quality decision to praise God together, even when we're down and we're afflicted. In fact, one of the things that has blessed me most over the years, I've stood in front of you all and there's people I could see who I knew were going through so many tough things and yet were there just worshipping the Lord and praising God. Now, I'm not judging anybody who isn't able to do that uh, at any point. Let's not judge, but I'm saying, let's learn this rhythm right now or this emphasis right now there's going to be something released, both for us individually and corporately, when we just make quality decisions to praise God, even in our pain, and to praise Him together. Amen? Yeah. I think there really something's in that. This, this responsibility, empathy and responsibility thing, by the way. I had the privilege of um, just visiting Happy Days and a charity working with uh, the homeless who we're going to be partnering with. It's all happening a bit even quicker than I'd realized, and uh, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. We had a opportunity to go and spend some time with some of the people in the houses. They, they, they house the homeless, but they also train them back into a way of life. It's just fantastic. Um, and I'm so, I just, it's just really great. And I'm just so thankful to God for the people that he's called to, to do that. And um, among ourselves as well, it's just fantastic. Um, but they really emphasize, there's, there's such a heart for those people who are totally broken, people who have been living in caves and public toilets and were a total mess by their own admission. And they just reached out to them. They gave them a house. But they also said, but we're going to require you to follow a program that's going to get you into a healthier, better way of life and well-being. And we require that of you. Yeah. 
And that was absolutely clear on that. So we, we, we're empathizing, but we're also saying you've got to take responsibility. It's fantastic. I spoke to one of the guys. Because I, I asked the, the, the leaders, I said, how does it happen? You know, does it, everybody take that straight away? He said, oh, no, no, it takes time. Because <laughs> they just want to come on, got a roof of my head and a bed, just let me sleep in it all day, you know. But I spoke to one of the guys who'd been there a couple of years, and I said, what, because he clearly has progressed brilliantly. And I said, what got you out of that bit of just receiving, if you like, the empathy to taking the responsibility? And he said, somebody just came when I was in that state where I didn't want to know anybody. I wasn't, and they just, without any judgment, they just offered me a cup of tea. I just got spoke to me, he said, it was an act of generosity that got him from the place of just receiving empathy to taking responsibility. I said, an act of generosity, but, but it, there is, has to be a taking of responsibility. Okay, so, I believe there's a shift in emphasis for us there. Again, do you, know what I'm do-, do you know what I'm doing here? I shouldn't be doing it. Somebody should be telling me off by now. I'm trying to qualify it every time. Oh, yes, we, we realize that this is also true. Oh, yes, also, that's like going on the boat, the barge, and doing this with a tiller. <laughs> that wouldn't be good, would it, James? No, that would not be a good... We often, sometimes, we're so wanting to make sure we hold both truths together that we don't, we, we kind of do that with a tiller. We've got to be able to recognize when is the time for the right emphasis. It doesn't mean you're denying the other. You're saying this is the prophetic time. Everything is beautiful in its time. Okay. I said more than I wanted to do then. So let's very quickly, two other things that this applies to. One is the rhythm of the seasons. I mentioned it last week. The garden. In actual fact, in Nehemiah chapter 8, they created a garden out of their booths made with branches and stuff. And it reminded me of the garden. The thing about the garden, and when we work with nature, when we work with the land, there's a rhythm to that, isn't it? All you gardeners, there's a season to gardening. You don't try to, I don't know, or to farming. You don't try to sow when you should be reaping. You don't try to reap when you should be sowing and so on. And it really is a matter of cooperating with God. It's not like God does it all. This is the other thing as well, expecting God to do everything. No, we do our part as well. And there's a well-known story, a preacher's story. I must have told it half a dozen times, so I'm sorry if you've heard it before. But it's a good one, and it's an important one, about the guy who, he, um, he bought a new home. And the garden was really overgrown and wild and messy and so on. And so he took it all his time, and he was a great gardener. And he got it all under control, all beautiful. And so 12 months, whatever, so later, 12 months, it was absolutely beautiful. And a friend visited him, and he went out into the garden and said, Oh, look at this beautiful God, and isn't God good? Look at what God has done. And the fellow, feeling a little bit resentful, he said, you should have seen it when God had it to himself. (laughs) Oh, good. Still, some of you hadn't heard that one. That's good. So it's about a cooperation. But it's so important in gardening that we understand the seasons. There was once a a young, this is going back, I don't know, 16th, 17th century or something, a young, uneducated poor laborer or servant guy who went out into the woods and looked at the trees. And as he looked at the tree, it was wintertime when there was no leaves on the tree. But he looked at it and he said, but I know that God will put leaves back on that tree. The leaves will grow again. And he was so overcome by God's goodness and God's wisdom and God's power that he decided to become a monk. And he went into a monastery. His name was Nicholas Herman. And he went into a monastery, 
And he just spent his time washing dishes. He didn't become a famous kind of leader or anything like that. He just spent his time washing dishes. Um, just amazed by God's goodness. Now, his name was Nicholas Herman, but we would know him because they take on another name when they join the monastery. We would know him as Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence wrote a book uh, called The Practice of the Presence of God, which apparently, until recently anyway, has, was second only to the Bible in the books, the number of copies being sold. The Practice of the Presence of God. Probably Harry Potter's overtaken it now or something. But, <laughs> but, but The Practice of the Presence of God, all about just learning to live with God. And he wasn't a great leader, great, just a quiet, humble servant washing dishes. And he wrote this world-transforming book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it all started with him becoming confident about the seasons and that God was behind that. Why do I say all that? There's also Donald Miller says this. All the trees are losing their leaves and not one of them is worried. Because <laughs> they know it'll grow again. Why do I say that? It's important that we recognize the rhythms to the seasons. If you don't realize there's a rhythm to the gardens, you'll think, ah, where have all the flowers gone? Where have the flowers gone? Why is there no apples on the tree? Ah, panic, panic, panic. Well, it's the season. Those, those trees, those apples will grow again. It's the season. Don't try to stick fallen apples back onto the tree. Glue <laughs> them on. We are fruitful, honestly, we are fruitful. I am really, really fruitful. No, just let them fall to the ground and die. And, into, and, and, and in the right time, you'll bear fruit again. If we don't understand the rhythm of the season, we'll panic when things aren't going as we think they should be. Just recognize what season we're in. The season does not define the whole of your life, but it should determine your activity and priority now. Folks, we've been in a season of laying foundations. Don't worry that certain things aren't in place when we're relaying foundations. We're in a season right now of establishing our roots. Do you know in wintertime when there seems to be no, not as much fruit and flowering... That's when the roots are set going down deeper. And this is the time for getting our roots deeper. This is the time for relaying foundations. This is the other thing as well. Don't try to stretch a season into a lifestyle. There's a time for mourning, but don't make that a lifestyle. There's a time for lament, but don't make it out. You're always lamenting. Okay. This is rhythm as well. Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's the heartbeat. I want to know. That's the beat. That's the beat. But the rhythm is this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Yay! And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Don't make sharing in his sufferings into a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, but it's a season. There are times when you will go through. You're identifying with the sufferings of Christ. It's where you're at in this season. If you're there right now, embrace it. Because that too will pass. And you will also know the power of his resurrection. That's rhythm. Okay. So please, rhythm applies to the season. And this is my, my last point. And Pete beat me to it. There's stages of life. As well as seasons of life, there are stages of life. Seasons are the repeated patterns. You will go through times where it's, it's tough. Where nothing seems to be fruitful. And you'll go through times of flourishing and fruitfulness. That's the seasons. And it'll always be like that. The stages, I'm talking more about a journey. It's a bit like Shakespeare's six stages of life, for example, from the, the infant to the older, uh, older adult. And do you remember I quoted Muhammad Ali to you last week, 
who said, if you're still viewing the world at 50, the same as you were at 20, you've wasted 30 years. We change and we grow through the different stages of life. He also said, by the way, I've been looking at Muhammad Ali quotes. And he also said, you should live every day of your life as if it was your last one. Because one day you're going to be right. And uh, <laughs> nice thought. And he also said to somebody, I've never said this, I've thought about it. No, so somebody said, if God, or no, so if, if somebody can make penicillin out of moldy bread, then he can sure do something with you. I was trying to, <laughs> just Muhammad Ali quotes, I've just been reading them recently, but, you know, we change through the stages of life. Um, when I, you know, some of you know, a few years ago, it felt like my life fell apart a bit, and there was one thing that, one, a number of things that helped me, a number of people that helped me. One book that particularly helped me was a book by a guy called Richard Raw called Falling Upwards. Now, Richard Raw, I know some of you love Richard Raw, some of you are not so sure, I don't really care about that. I'm just letting you know that this book really helped me. And he talked about two stages of life. And in the first stage of life, particularly, you're kind of discovering what you really believe, what tribe you belong to, getting a sense of purpose in life. And then later in life, it becomes less about what you're achieving and more about who you're becoming. And, and your whole value system may change. You, you, you end up sort of questioning some of those beliefs about the first stage of life. And sometimes you have to go through a crisis to get you into the second stage of life. And that was what was happening for me. There's another book come out recently called The Second Mountain. It's making the same point. The first mountain was about what do I believe? Who do I belong to? So on, what am I going to do? What's my purpose? What's my mission? And there comes a time where you have to climb a second mountain, which is, go, which is taking you into deeper things about who you really are, where you discover your true self. And that was the kind of journey that I was on. Here's the thing. Richard Raw says, you cannot skip the first stage. You cannot skip the first mountain. What happens if you don't understand there's a rhythm to the stages of life, when you go to get to that point where you start questioning and reevaluating some of the things, for example, that you were learning when you were 20... If you don't realize this is a natural stage of, in the rhythm of life that you come to, you'll end up, if you're not careful, rejecting some of the stuff you learned in that first stage. Now, some of the stuff needs to be rejected, but not all of it. And if you're also not careful, you'll end up rejecting the people who taught you that stuff. Okay, But it's just recognizing there's a rhythm to the stages of life, and this is where you are at right now. And that's okay. In actual fact, this is beautiful. I, I, um, I, somebody said this. The moment in between who you once were and who you, are, who you are becoming is where the dance of life really takes place. The moment between who you once were and who you are becoming is where the dance of life really takes place. Recognizes, recognizes stages of life. I wanted to say much more about that, but I've run out of time and I want us to worship God again. But I wanted to say this in relation to what Peter said. There are some of you, maybe at the stage of life, where you're thinking, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. I've messed up too many times. I, whatever. I'm not just talking about age. It's partly that. It's, you know, you get to that point where, you get that point in the book where, um, there was a point in the book where the, the, the right hand was thicker than the left hand in terms of the number of pages. And you got to the point where the left hand page is the thicker than the right hand page. You think, oh, there's fruitfulness. There's big tomatoes, whatever you want to come, in those latter stages. But I'm not just talking about age. I'm talking about you've gone through, you've messed up, you've broken, what have you. There is fruitfulness 
in the new stage of life, the new chapter of life that you're coming into. Notice there's a rhythm. So we've got to learn this rhythm. Let me finish on this. We've got to learn this rhythm. And you know what? You know what? We'll get it wrong sometimes. The rhythm of life, the rhythm of the seasons, the rhythm of the stages of life. We'll get it wrong sometimes. We'll flop about, as uh, uh, some was saying. But uh, all of us can dance, by the way, in this dance of life. We can all do that. And But something we've got to learn to try. I love what Mark said about trying. He said, you remember the Stravinsky, he wrote a piece of music that it was impossible. And he said he wrote it just to hear people trying. I was reminded of that just recently when I was, um, I was marking a student's work. I was marking an exam. And a student, it's a religious studies exam. And so those questions was about what different religious beliefs about wealth and the wealthy. And this person, this student had answered it, said, um, it is, he wanted to try and show that they knew what they were talking about. It's a quote from the Bible. So it said, it is easier for a rich man to find a needle in a haystack than it is to... <laughs> Those of you who didn't get the joke, you don't know your Bible well enough. You know, I thought, oh God, he's trying, and he's trying. So he got the mark. Folks, we will... We fail sometimes, as long as we're trying. Let's keep listening to the music. Let's hear the rhythm. Let's keep dancing. Let's keep trying. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to particularly pray. Musicians, could you come forward, please? I particularly want to pray for those. In fact, I just pray. Rather than tell you what I'm going to pray for, why don't I just pray? <laughs> Lord, I want to pray particularly for those who are going through tough seasons right now. Where it doesn't feel fruitful, it feels rather dry and barren. I pray for them right now that they would know this too will pass. And the fruitfulness will come and the flourishing will come again. But you would help them to embrace the season that they're in and to learn the lessons they need to learn in this season. I pray for those, particularly at a stage of life where they think, well, that's it. I've had my chance. I've done my best. Can't enter the Lord. That they would know, just as that picture came from Peter, of that seemingly, and I don't mean this insult, that shriveled plant, as it were. Lord, that the, there was not only fruit there, but there was the promise and potential of more fruit. And I pray, Lord God, for people, particularly that stage of life, for whatever reason, they would know there is much fruit left in them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Amen.